Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400 DWS. Steve Kelly with you, along with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen, who is usually here, is not here today. You gave him some vacation time, did you? Not, not begrudgingly, I didn't give him <laughs> vacation time, but no, he is he is on vacation uh, this week, some well-deserved time off for our 30-year veteran on the Illinois beat and columnist and jack-of-all writing trades here at the, the News Gazette, but we welcome back Scott Ritchie after he, uh, for anyone that follows Scott on Facebook, saw a lot of New Orleans last week, so uh, he's back from the Big Easy. Did you come back before or after? Uh, they traded Anthony Davis. I was back before, although I think at some point Zion Williamson was in New Orleans at the same time I was. I did not see him, unfortunately. They're probably keeping that under wraps because, you know, he's not actually on the team yet. But Not yet. It's going to happen <laughs> in <laughs> just week, a couple days. This week. So did you do anything interesting in New Orleans? Always. Uh, beyond just thoroughly enjoying all of the Cajun and Creole offerings that they have food-wise, um, Frenchman Street, it's one of my favorite places. It's where all the jazz clubs are. So got to hear some some really good music and you mostly just kind of decompress for a few days. And now you're back. And you just uh, jumped right in. He's compressed <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, it didn't take long. It's Monday at like 5.12 and just already back into form. Phone line is open, 356-9397. We're with you until 6 o'clock this evening. No Little League Baseball tonight, but tomorrow night, huh? Playoffs start this week for uh, for Little League Baseball, and you can hear uh, a game tomorrow night on these airwaves. I think it's Wampler versus Coons, 5.45 p.m., I believe, first pitch out at Bottenfield. And then uh, playoffs are Tuesday, Wednesday this week. The next Monday is the semifinals, and the next Wednesday night is the third-place game of the championship game. So always a, a key time of year for the youngsters in the area that uh, play Little League Baseball. So, Scott, you do work on Illinois football and basketball, uh, among other things, whatever Matt tells you to do. <laughs> yeah. Now that you're getting back, what are you getting focused on now? Football coming up? Have you got any preseason stories you've had to have in for magazines or anything? No, Bob usually you know takes care of most of those. He's done that for years at this point, so he's you know the go-to. Uh, I've got uh, working on, obviously, all our coverage, our top 50 uh, most important Illini is underway. Uh, I think we're at number 46 today. 46 in the paper today. Kenyon Jackson, uh, the veteran defensive tackle. Uh, won't give away the surprise on number 45, but it's another fairly large gentleman uh, on the opposite line. But uh, So that'll continue all the way up until the training camp starts uh, in early August. And then obviously just... Basketball never stops. Basketball never stops, and then uh, football doesn't really stop either. And they just added a, another commitment, you know, this morning, and true. tapped into the the USC, USC grad transfer East. pool again. <laughs> so um, Champagne has become Los Angeles essentially. Uh, I mean, in a very very minor way, <laughs> but uh, added another grad transfer wide receiver, Josh Imator Bebe. Um, bigger receiver, six two, two fifteen. Can jump really high. Can He's he's going to be the the jump ball guy in the end zone. Maybe gives them another option because last two seasons, if Illinois was in that situation in the red zone, uh, it was Ricky Smalling was it essentially. Uh, but uh, kind of opens things up a little bit. Obviously, uh, transferred for a reason. Didn't play much at, at SC. Uh, only appeared in one game last year, and then wasn't 
played in six games in 2017. He has two career catches, so not a lot to to go off statistics-wise, but Illinois needed more receivers, and he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, coming out of Georgia. So obviously it was pretty well thought of at the time and just didn't get the opportunities, I suppose, at at SC and maybe given more at Illinois because there's certainly opportunity to be had uh, at that position that I guess, you know, obviously the idea you know, with Illinois adding him is that he's going to produce. So we'll see. One year of eligibility left? Two years. Two years. So like the other two Southern California transfers, grad transfer immediately eligible with two years, which, I mean, if you can add those type of guys, like, why not? I mean, because you can play them right away and it's not just a temporary, you know, Band-Aid on a situation. Emator, hey, bay, hey, bay. No. Bebe. Bebe. Yeah. Okay. Emator Bebe. Emator Bebe. I mean, I think he automatically has, like, the best name in Illinois athletics. Think they can squeeze that on the back of his jersey? Well, basketball managed Bashanishvili, so yeah. <laughs> I think football is probably going figure to figure it out. Basketball's got some challenges with the <laughs> this next their, their newest guy. Yeah, it's <laughs> got the hyphen, which, you know, with... It's uh, going to be very... It's a curved on, on the jersey. It's going to be, like, a very steep curve, too, with Benjamin Bosman's Verdunk. Also, great name by the way. It is. There, there's some good names. You have to come up with the all-name team here at, at some point. Uh, speaking of two years of eligibility, what are we hearing, if anything, on Brandon Peters? Brandon Peters, the quarterback from Michigan. Uh, other than he hasn't made a decision yet, yeah, not much. But I mean, Illinois is his best option. Other, I think otherwise he was looking at you know, a couple MAC programs, uh, including Miami. But we'll see. I think. I mean. I would imagine Illinois would want him on campus sooner rather than later if that's actually going to happen, if he's going to pick the Illini because you know, summer workouts are, are underway and it would give him an opportunity to you know, work with the wide receivers and you know, develop you know, a relationship and connection there. And uh, I guess just a wait and see, but he's a totally different type of quarterback than what they've got, uh, not much of a runner. At least he didn't show that at, at Michigan. Definitely more of a passer, but Illinois could use a little boost in the passing game. So we'll see what they like more, whether it's that, you know, that, that passing acumen that Brandon Peters would bring if he does you know, commit to Illinois or you know, the kind of dual threat guy like Isaiah Williams or Matt Robinson or Karan Taylor, who are all here. We've got the phone lines open. 356-9397 is the number. Let's go to the phones. And Neil is calling in. What do you say, Neil? How you doing, Mr. Kelly? I want to ask you and uh, Mr. Ritchie about Illinois basketball. Okay. Um, Andy, Andy Katz uh, posted something on Twitter about a week and a half ago and said that he said that he thinks Illinois is a top 25 team. I want to ask you and uh, uh, Scott Ritchie what you think about that, the two guys that they just signed, and how do you think they're going to stack up? I mean, I know it's way early, but. What do you guys think as of right now? Scott, you're not going to make many friends with your response. I don't well, think. no, but if they've been listening to my podcast, Inside Illini Basketball, available Shameless plug. on iTunes and at IlliniHQ.com, <laughs> um, I obviously saw what Andy Katz you know, wrote a few weeks ago and a couple weeks ago. and I mean, on paper, Illinois has the potential to be much better than they were last season. I don't see them as a top 25 team right now. Um, because they did go 12 and 21 last year and 
Mm. If they would have finished the year a little stronger, um, maybe I feel a bit differently. Still probably wouldn't have them in the top 25 just because you know the group that they have, which is the same group as last year essentially, um, they just need to maybe show that they can win some of those close games they were in last year and do it on the court. Should they be much better? Or should they be better than they were last year? I think, I think, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to, you know, think that would happen. But we'll see how much better. And uh, as far as you know, the guy they added uh, in uh, Bosman's Verdonk, I mean, all I've seen is the gra- grainy, grainy highlight, highlight <laughs> videos on YouTube. Um, he's you know, got you know, decent size and you know can run the floor in transition. He's got a, a good three point look, a good looking three point shot, and obviously has experience shooting at the international line distance, which is now the college distance. But um, I wouldn't say he's like an explosive athlete. He's, his game has more of like a smoothness to it, but you know, he can you know, get to the basket and finish. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Illinois kind of hit on the under the radar European and, and Georgie Pashanashvili in the 2018 class, and. I'd say did a swing and a miss in 2017 with Matisse Vasile, who, like uh, Verdonk, never has never played basketball in the U.S. before. So I don't know that you can expect him to have a huge impact as a true freshman, uh, but uh, maybe it's another one of those gems that they found. As far as the <coughs> team goes, I think you got to wait a little bit until you see more of the schedule, to see how that's going to play out, and uh, the schedule hopefully. Uh, will not be quite as tough in the early going as it was last year. Uh, but uh, he wasn't, uh, Andy Katz wasn't the only guy to have him in the top 30 or so. Yeah, Seth he? Davis had him, yeah. I think, at 30, yeah. maybe. Uh, so Illinois drawn some, some national intrigue, maybe, I guess, and Illinois fans are definitely excited about that based on all I've seen on social media. I'm just uh, not quite there yet. You're more in a wait-and-see type yeah, of mode. Yeah, I'm just... Cautious, maybe cautiously optimistic at times, but cautious for sure. Neil, got anything else? That's that's it. Uh, thanks for taking one call, and you guys have a great night. And you guys, you guys' input is always tremendous. So thanks for your time. Have yep. a good night. Yep. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate your call, Neil. Three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number. Let's uh, stick with basketball. We had Brad Underwood on the on the show Saturday, and uh, summer workouts are underway. The first week is in the books. He seemed pretty excited about that, as you might guess any basketball coach would be. Yeah. When uh, I would love for a basketball coach sometimes to say, man, we are – our summer workouts yet. are just not very stinking good. up the gym. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why did I recruit these guys? That's, that's like you, you never hear a kid say, that was a terrible official visit. Uh, right? And that's why next month the Big Ten football media days, everyone's going to be talking about how they're going to – this is the year they're going to win the Big Ten. Every, Back to basketball, though. Everybody will be excited. We'll yes. talk. We'll talk some Big Ten football too as we as we move along. But uh, Kofi Coburn is here in the, in person, and uh, Brad likes what he sees with him so far. Yeah, well, and it's kind of hard not to, especially. And I think just the fact that Illinois hasn't had a player like Kofi, I think you could probably say ever. Yeah, in, in the history of the program. I mean, it's. There's been you know maybe a few almost comps, but uh, this is combination of size and uh, physicality. Uh, athletic. I mean, and he's pretty you know, athletic for as big as he is. Um, gives Illinois just a maybe an X factor that they they haven't had. But uh, 
it'll be interesting to see how he kind of meshes with a team that returns largely intact. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there is a spot for him certainly. Uh, I mean, I'm still curious, you know, how he and uh, Kofi and Georgie will play in the same front court. How that's going to work? Because I mean, Illinois wants it to work, and Mm -hmm. that's that's their main goal. But I think he definitely said they would. Yeah, it's just going to I think take some time for that you know pairing to mesh because. At least you know, at this point, you know Georgie is probably still better around the basket than he is, you know, extending his game, and he's going to have to add that wrinkle to play you know, as effectively as possible next to to Kofi, who shouldn't venture far from the basket because that's where, I mean, that's where his bread's buttered right there. I mean, he's dominant with five feet in. And uh, Brad also talked about the uh, upcoming. August trip to Italy. They get, uh, I think, what, 10 practice sessions. He said they're going to stretch those out a little bit in July to get ready, but he's looking forward to that, Matt, as you might guess, to to, to get an early look on how these guys might uh, mesh together. Uh, yeah, and, and staying on Kofi Coburn for uh, just a little bit longer. I'm curious to see how he uh, meshes with uh, everyone on the team and, and what his role is, too. And one thing that I think is going to be interesting, too, is the fact that before he even plays a college basketball game at Illinois, he's going to be 20 years old. Uh, he turns 20 on September 1st. So uh, I know he's talked about at times before being a one-and-done player. Well, we'll see how much his role is next year and, and whether that actually happens, uh, you know, come 2020 with the uh, the NBA draft. Uh, looks like that'll be the year Illinois might get off the snide for not having a first-round pick with Io DeSumo if he keeps going. But maybe Coburn just has a breakout year like a lot of people think he can. And, uh, I'll be curious too to see just how he develops, you know, away from the basket a little bit. Because yes, he's a large man. There's no question about that. At seven feet, almost 300 pounds, and he's going to be able to physically impose his will at times, uh, mainly more so in the non-conference play than maybe against Big Ten foes. But how he develops that mid-range game and uh, how effective he is as a free throw shooter because he's going to get fouled playing a physical position like he does. Uh, those are key elements that he's going to work on this summer, obviously. And uh, that trip to Italy will be another focus and, and chance for him to, you know, expand his skills. And uh, anytime Illinois can get out on the floor and face another team uh, in a competitive setting is a, a good situation for this team. Even though they do have so many pieces coming back, you still have to kind of fit Coburn in there at times and how that affects Georgie's game and um, how Iowa's developed. Uh, you know this off season as well, and what that means for Trent Frazier too, because you talk we talk all the time about Io, and, and now with Coburn, so much hype uh, around him, and then the breakout season that Georgie had too. But Trent Frazier has a chance to still be a really good guard uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, he showed that at flashes at times last season. I think it's just finding that consistency scoring from him. He he's shown that he can go off for 30, 35 points against any team, but it's just kind of doing that throughout the course of the season. And, and defense is, has been a big uh, focal point for him in the past. I know, Scott, he's talked to you numerous times about how he wants to be known as the best defender in the Big Ten, and um, I'm sure he'll go into next season with that label uh, attached because he's a veteran guard and he's been through the league two seasons, and now he's got a chance to really leave his mark in, in that phase of the game. Yeah, I think maybe being healthy – Mm-hmm. Fully will, yes. will help Trent Frazier because mm-hmm. at the end of last year he was, you know, played through you know, a, a, f- a minor foot injury. But I think well, in, any, anytime your feet are hurting, exactly. is and, not any good and he missed the game against Georgetown with a concussion, and you're not sure how that may have affected him yeah. uh, early on in the season too. But I mean, late in the season, he was getting beat more off the dribble than I think 
you would normally expect, I think, just because he wasn't moving you know, quite as well. So a, a healthy Trent Frazier uh, could be, I mean, like a dark horse almost for this team because he's – the the breakouts of the the freshman last year and then the addition of a kind of a big time recruit in Kofi Coburn like he kind of you know disappeared into the mm-hmm. the the rest of the team a little bit but he's still like a, a serious threat so we actually see what he does as a, a junior. Brad mentioned uh, Saturday as well that uh, when we're back to talking about uh, Kofi playing at the same time as Georgie. And Georgie moving out and maybe mm-hmm. moving his range out a little bit, that he played a little bit hurt too with the with the thumb injury that may have mentioned may have affected his shooting at some point. Uh, stepping out, he he he'd like to take uh, threes early and then uh, didn't take too many late. Yeah, exactly, and and those are always interesting developments that you hear sometimes after the season. You know, you, it's a long grinding season with uh, some really intense games and and practices are are hard as well so guys are always going to be towards the end of the season probably not at their best not at their peak physical condition like they are once practices get going uh early in the fall but uh interesting to hear that development but uh we'll see i mean that's going to be a big focal point going into the season is what georgie can do uh you know away from the basket and his 15 18 footers if he can extend himself out to the three-point line which scott like you said and that's gonna be another uh curious case i think Going throughout college basketball going into the 2019-2020 season is just how much the three-point line being expanded to 22 feet uh, really just affects the game and, and how it may change up offensive flows. And are you going to see guys start hoisting up 25, 30-footers like Trey Young, Steph Curry? I mean, I don't know if Trent Frazier would do that, but he might be the best one on the team to do so for the line at this point. But how that is going to just creep into the minds of, of all these players just because – uh, you saw that first season when they moved the arc back from 19 feet, 9 inches to what it was, 20 feet, 10 inches, a little bit of an adjustment period, and now you're even moving it back further. So but another uh, another uh, key key point to, uh, to keep track of uh, going into the season. And there's some basketball recruiting uh, news of sorts with an unofficial visit going on right now. Uh, big man in the class of 2020. Yeah, um, Ryan Kalkbrenner out of St. Louis and a Trinity Catholic, uh, who obviously has had lots of former uh, high school, uh, well, a couple of his classmates uh, are well, certainly... teammates. Yeah, he played basketball with Isaiah Williams. But uh, football's got that pipeline going, and maybe basketball can tap into it for Kalkbrenner, but uh, he's uh, an interesting prospect. You know, Seven feet... Very skinny. Very skinny. Um, I, I really like – I saw him play uh, in April. I really like him as a defender. Yeah, he blocks a lot of shots, and the shots he doesn't block, he at least alters because he's got long arms, and he, he knows – he's got really good timing. He knows how to really defend the rim. Uh, offensively, he just needs the time to figure out his body because, I mean, obviously he can be a threat as a seven-footer. and He's got a soft touch, but he just needs to – get stronger and maybe a little more assertive on that end. But Illinois is definitely in on him as a potential uh, 2020 addition. They could put him on the uh, Nick Smith <laughs> diet. It never seemed to work that well for the him. Mike Tisdale diet. Mike you know? Tisdale, mm-hmm. 10,000 calories yeah. a day. <laughs> I'd like to be on that diet. Wouldn't you like to do that? It didn't seem to work that well for either one of those I'd guys. I'd probably like to be on it for like a day or two and then. <laughs> then you'd be asleep <laughs> yeah, on the couch. Exactly. It is five. 
1230 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Monday Night Sports Talk with Matt Daniels and Scott Ritchie. I'm Steve Kelly. We'll take a time out. The phone line is open 356-9397 if you'd like to join us. Back with more after this. And welcome back to Monday Night Sports Talk, everybody. With Scott Ritchie and Matt Daniels, I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open 356-9397. Those guys are what? Those three guys? 2021. 21. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Right. Never too early to start thinking about the soon-to-be high school juniors. Yeah, so they just yeah. completed uh, their sophomore seasons, yeah. and they're all three very highly touted lads. Yeah, um, all three of them are in the top ten in the 2021 class, and Illinois offered four other 2021 prospects in the last week, um, and total uh, in that 2021 class, Illinois offered 14 of the top 35 so, certainly aiming high, you know, with that group. But Max Christie, I think, is, has to be the priority of that group. I mean, he's, well, for one, he plays basketball in this state. He's uh, Where's he at? Rolling, Rolling Meadows. Rolling Meadows. Jimmy so. Garoppolo's alma mater. Yeah, he's so obviously, I'm, like, bring him on board right away. Obviously, they're create, they're, <laughs> they're churning out, you know, top-tier athletes uh, in the suburbs. But Max Christie's not going to go to Eastern Illinois to play basketball. Uh, probably not. He's got for, a lot of... Well, to be honest, better offers. Virginia and Villanova offered him on yeah. Saturday. So the last time there was a top uh, guard in the suburbs, Villanova came in and got Jalen Brunson, and they won two national titles. But Max Christie, I mean, he's six six with point guard skills, um, and has you know multiple years of USA basketball experience already. Uh, be a good player to have, I think. If I was adding a guard in the 2021 class, I would want Max Christie. But it sounds like there's a long way to go for that. Yeah, well, and not, I mean, beyond the fact Just that the he's process. got two years of high school yes. you know, left and you know, these guys aren't deciding until you know the fall of their senior year or more and more, especially if you're talking the top-tier prospects in a class, there's you know a lot of those guys wait till spring and see how rosters shake out. And So, yeah, just another name to just Keep a keep an eye on for two more years, but uh, Illinois is certainly trying to make some some early inroads. And just uh, was it this past Friday was the first time that coaches could call the 2021 prospects, and so the phones were ringing at midnight for a lot of these kids. I think I would probably just either turn my phone off or put it on do not disturb. It was like I don't know if I want to talk to a bunch of coaches at midnight. Like, well, maybe. and if they if they want to talk to me, they'll be willing to wait until I wake <laughs> up to talk to them too. Well, maybe they're excited about that, and they were. And they probably don't go to bed as early as I do either. So. Well, there's that. <laughs> Some uh, sad news to report, uh, kind of connected to Illinois basketball. Aaron Jordan, former Illinois player, lost his father over the weekend. Rob Jordan, and we got to know him a little bit over the years. Uh, he, I don't know that he missed a home game, did he? No, I don't think so. Uh, I never had the fortune to, to be able to talk to, to Rob Jordan at all, but uh, I know uh, dating back to Aaron's days at Plainfield East High School, uh, I had the chance to go up there and uh, spend an afternoon with, with him uh, at a practice at Plainfield East and talk to him and his coach, Braden Akins, uh, before practice, and uh, Aaron Jordan's mom stopped by too. Uh, his dad was at work that day, so he couldn't, couldn't make it, but uh, just a great family. Uh, a lot of Illinois fans got to know the Jordan family uh, over the past four years and how passionate they were and how loyal they were. And uh, speaks volumes, too. You know, Aaron Jordan didn't have the opportunity to, to play on a 
Illinois team that went to the NCAA tournament, but I think he'd be hard pressed, especially with how he really transformed himself into kind of being a, a senior leader uh, of this past year's team, uh, a guy that I think Illinois fans are going to look back on when he comes back to games and comes back for alumni gatherings and things like that, that they're going to remember him with fond memories and uh, your heart goes out to him. Uh, it's just a, a terrible tragedy and um, don't know all the circumstances uh, surrounding it yet, but uh, for it to happen uh, this past weekend on Father's Day weekend, that's just uh, that's just an ultimate gut punch and I, uh, you know, hope, uh, hope he's doing as well as can be expected right now, but, uh, I'm sure he's got a lot of people in his corner and, uh, you know, backing him up and supporting him through this, uh, through this difficult time. Our phone lines are open. If you'd like to join us, three, five, six, nine, three, nine, seven from the, what took you so long to make the announcement department, Roger Powell introduced today <laughs> as assistant coach at uh, Gonzaga. We've been talking about that for a month or so, I think, uh, Scott, but he was officially introduced today. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's both really good for Roger, because obviously Gonzaga is a, yeah. a top program in the country and regularly now in the top 10, usually ranked. And I think, you know, good for Gonzaga and Mark Few as well, because, you know, Roger Powell's kind of proven over. The last several years of his time with you know Bryce Drew at both uh, Valparaiso and Vanderbilt, that he's a really good recruiter. I think he helped lock down um, both Darius Garland and Sammy Shitu in the 2018 class, which was Vanderbilt's best ever. It didn't pan out on the court. Work very well because I mean uh, of injuries, especially to mm-hmm. Garland, he yeah. missed basically the entire year, and so that prompted the what's the reason that Roger Powell was available to to go to Gonzaga because Bryce Drew got fired. But I think you could really see him as kind of a you know, an up and coming you know coach for sure, you know nationally, and you know, he's been you know, an associate head coach, and you know, now going to a really well regarded program. It maybe just a matter of time before he gets a a head coaching job of his own. I I would think. No, I agree too as well. And he had that great career at, at Illinois and in state product from Joliet, and then had a, a productive professional career as well. And uh, one thing you're gonna always you know, count on from Roger Powell or always know you'll get is just a good quality effort and he's not going to embarrass the program off the court in any means. And, and he's shown uh, an ability to land some high major talent and to go from a program like Vanderbilt, which yes, is in the SEC, but they had their struggles on the court and it saw Bryce Drew get fired uh, after two seasons. But to land on his feet at a program like Gonzaga, I think speaks to how people view Roger Powell and, and the coaching profession and that bodes nothing but good things for his future down the road. One other assistant coach note in college basketball, Kareem Richardson is going back to Indiana State oh, all as right. an assistant coach. Rantoul native. Yep. All-time leading scorer for the Eagles at Rantoul High School back in the late 80s, early 90s. Had a uh, successful playing career at East Carolina and Evansville, and then he's really – seen it all throughout college basketball been at almost every imaginable level you could think of in the division one ranks and uh went through some tough times at missouri kansas city as a head coach in his first uh stint as a head coach and was uh, fired back in march but good to see him land on his feet and go back to a conference that he's uh familiar with did you guys watch any golf over the weekend i, I don't know if you I watched did. as much as i did but. i probably not as much as you steve uh I've watched a lot of Sophia the First Princess with my daughter <laughs> and uh, Blaze. He's a monster truck or I something. I missed both of those. Yeah, I, I caught up a lot on those. Thanks, Sawyer and, and Sully, for that one. Um, I was able to tune in and actually watch 
about the final two hours last night at the U.S. Open. So that was pretty pretty cool. Gary Woodland wins that, uh, his first major. I kind of like the um, the majors being out on the West Coast mm-hmm. because uh, you can get some things done and <laughs> yeah. early in the day and then watch it till almost time to hit the sack. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, – and there's – I don't think – yes, the U.S. Open is known for – you know, having its its courses be almost impossible to score on, and maybe it was a little weird. Woodland finished at thirteen under, but to me, there's no more picturesque, made for TV type of golf course maybe in the U.S. than than Pebble Beach. And to see him uh, hit some of those shots he did, uh, I'm not a golfer by any stretch of the imagination, but hearing you know Curtis Strange and Paul Hazinger talk about his shot on the at the 14th where he pulled out a three wood and got it up over the bunker there and on a par five and then his the awful drive he had on 17 and you saw in the instant he uh you know struck it that it was he wasn't happy with it because he just tossed his club aside and then he somehow almost chipped in for birdie on the edge of the, or the far reach of the the green there uh, those are two memorable shots and another boost too for college golf in the sense because he's a university of kansas product so uh, just goes to show you that you can golf in college and do pretty well. Oh, just the way he ended it too, because I think he what could have three putted and mm-hmm. still yep. got the win, but yeah. just Rolling drills about a forty footer. Yeah, I mean that was I mean <laughs> no that, that's doubter. that's the way you want to win, not just any tournament, but like a major is like sure he could have you know lagged it up there and you know, taken the easier way out, but he just bottom of the cup, you know, one try and and he wished it was a nice. pretty good. Uh, Pretty good charge by Brooks Kepka, who finished uh, second. He put up a 68, so he didn't do anything wrong. No, exactly. Either. I mean, any other year, Kepka's probably winning his third straight U.S. Open. It was just from, you know, Woodland didn't start out, uh, you know, with that great a round on Thursday, but Friday shot a 65 and then was just on point. And he didn't – those opportunities he had where he could have, you know, made mistakes and turned – uh, you know, a, bar- a birdie or a par into a bogey or a double bogey. He didn't let it overwhelm him. His putting was on point. Uh, he just went up there and knocked him in. Didn't even seem to uh, really kind of, you know, spec or, or linger too much on what he was going to do. He just went up and and drilled him in. So uh, it was it was fun to see. I never really, if you would ask me last week what I knew about Gary Woodland as a golfer, I wouldn't have been able to tell you much. But just seeing his poise and his composure and how much he really seemed to relish the moment yesterday that's something that uh you know he's always going to remember he's paid his dues he's won three times on the pga tour but that was his first major he's mm-hmm. been out there a while he's 35 years mm-hmm. old but uh, yeah it was good and and i've not been to pebble beach i've not seen it in person but i'm sure it's like augusta the tv doesn't do it justice yeah, exactly. it's uh so people that i know that have been there say it's it's a beautiful beautiful golf course and, it was uh, good to see charlie danielson he tied for 58 make the make the weekend uh the only Former Illini in the field among the four in there, uh, which is impressive enough that you had four former Illini golfers all in their 20s uh, in the U.S. Open. That just speaks to the volume of work that Mike Small has done here in Champaign. But uh, extra kudos to, to Charlie Danielson for after coming off major knee surgery a year ago to uh, play through the weekend. and Played with Phil Mickelson on yeah, Saturday. Collected a nice little paycheck at the end of it. So uh, all in all, a good, uh, good showing for him and eager to see what that does for him now moving forward. Speaking of Mike Small, he is getting set to play this week himself. He's playing on uh, the PGA Champions Tour up in uh, Wisconsin. Steve Stricker and American Family Insurance 
host a tournament in Wisconsin. Smalley's in the field. He finished 10th in that uh, tournament last year. He's also looking for an assistant uh, <laughs> assistant coach as well, so he's uh, pulling some double duty in the recent days. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much he can maybe network up in uh, up in Madison this week or anyone on the Champions Tour that would even fit his profile of what an assistant coach looks like, but I'm sure if there's if there's anyone that's got a Rolodex of who to call for this job uh, to fill at Illinois, I'm sure Smalley's got to Got his options covered. And he's got all kinds of people that will probably be calling him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about themselves or about somebody they exactly, know. Exactly, that's for sure. And he's looking for, I know from talking to him, he's looking for uh, somebody that can hit the ground running. He's not in a position now to mm-hmm. to get somebody and say, okay, let's work on this for a year. He, he needs somebody that knows the uh, the recruiting rules now and, uh, and can get out there and get after it and... Uh, Closer to home, though, the weather played a role in the U of I Open. The 65th University of Illinois Open was uh, washed out on Saturday, so they played 36 holes yesterday, and David Keenan, who played his high school golf at Salt Fork, brought uh, the tournament to its knees almost. Uh, He fired a round of 70 in the morning and a 63 in the afternoon, which tied the course record, and is 70 coupled with that to set the tournament record overall, and he wins that going away. Yeah, the he sets the Void National on, on fire. I'm sure you've come close to that record, Steve, before. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, it's a great accomplishment for uh, for David, uh, former multi-sport athlete uh, at Salt Fork, who then golfed in, in college at Parkland and continued that success at Chicago State as well. And uh, I had the chance to catch up with him a few years ago uh, when he was trying to defend his UI Open title in 2017 after he won in, in 2016, but uh, that's those are in, impressive numbers considering the fact that they had to play 36 holes of golf and in one day after Saturday's rains uh, washed out the opening round. And, uh, good for for David, and uh, he's shown in the past that uh, he's among the elite golfers in the area, and it's always a cool event too to to see uh, the UI Open. It's always you know right around Father's Day and uh, always kind of a highlight uh, on the local golf calendar. And Mike Wallner and those those fine folks out at uh, the U of I course in Savoy do a great job of hosting it and accommodating it for everyone. So uh, good to see the event uh, was able able to be played, uh, especially after the deluge of rain that we got late Friday into Saturday. Yeah, it worked out pretty well playing uh, 36. They did, instead of tee times, they did uh, two shotgun start mm-hmm. sessions, a morning wave and an afternoon uh, wave for the second round, and it uh, worked out well. Need to take a break here at 5.50. This is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. Back with more after this. Welcome back, Monday Night Sports Talk, with you for another uh, five or six minutes here till the top of the hour on DWS. With Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, I'm Steve Kelly, Bob Osmussen. He was going to Omaha, wasn't he? For he the- was. was there this past weekend, I believe, with the College World Series. Uh, continues tonight in a few minutes. Michigan. Michigan baseball after Illinois baseball had them. And, and if they would have beaten Michigan to the Big Ten Tournament... Maybe the Wolverines don't even make the NCAA tournament. Now they're in the winner's bracket of the College World Series. Playing Florida State coming up in a few minutes. One team has been eliminated. Arkansas was beaten this afternoon by Texas Tech. So they are out. Speaking of Illinois baseball. Yeah, uh, Illinois baseball about 10 minutes ago tweeted that uh, Ben Troike uh, had signed with the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, junior shortstop. Uh, was picked uh, earlier this month in the, the Major League Baseball draft in the 11th round, Scott Ritchie. Yeah, he was one of the first players. See how I'm just passing that drafted the on to the, you. the third day. And, I mean, 
I remember that because I was sitting at my desk uh, watching every pick, essentially. <laughs> uh, so, uh, are you surprised that he signed? Li- even though he's got it, he would have had another. He would have been able to come back to Illinois next season I if mean, he hadn't signed. Not as probably an eleventh round pick. I mean, there's not a, a slot value for that pick because that ends in the tenth round. But I'm sure uh, he got you know, a pretty nice offer from the Rays. And when you're drafted that high, like they. Mm-hmm. The organization views you as a guy that maybe could, you know, advance, uh, and cause otherwise they wouldn't, you know, use an eleventh round pick on you. But uh, that means Illinois got to replace its two starting it, middle infielders. Yeah, the double season. play combo that was really good for Illinois the last two to three seasons. Yeah. Um, Were you start surprised? from start from scratch? Were you that. surprised by uh, Garrett Acton's decision last week? Now he did not get drafted, but he decided to not sign or not. Yeah, well, I, it. I think maybe he had put that out there that he was not interested in you mm-hmm. know, being drafted as maybe later in the the third day. So, I mean, I'm sure Illinois got to be thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Big Ten saves leader coming back and their the program record holder for a single season. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's big you know, for the bullpen. And in terms of you know, up the middle defensively, I mean. Imagine Brandon Comia obviously will mm-hmm. have one of those two spots, and then and maybe at, maybe at second, and then if figure out at, at shortstop. Um, kind of an interesting thought I, I just had about that was Cam McDonald is an infielder by mm-hmm. trade, and he never played outfield in his until life until Illinois. this season. Uh, but only also just in the, their incoming uh, freshman class signed several shortstops, and a lot of them you know, top three like at least two of the three are like top 350 prospects uh, in the nation so maybe there's an option there uh dan harlow obviously wasn't afraid to to go young this past spring in several you know spots so that's gonna I think maybe his biggest offseason you know challenge is to figure out you know what he'll do you know, up the middle defensively Major League Baseball tonight. The Cardinals scheduled to be in action. We'll see what the weather is like in St. Louis. Cardinals are back home taking on uh, Miami this evening, the first of four games, and then Friday night and then through the weekend, Albert Pujols and the Angels will be in town. That'll be fun. Yeah, first time for Pujols back in St. Louis since 2011 when he helped the Cardinals win the World Series, and uh, it'll be, I'm sure, if not sold out, close to, to sellouts for all three games, and I'd imagine that enough time has passed uh, that he'll receive a warm standing ovation uh, upon his first at-bat on, on Friday night. I'll be curious to see him, too, since he is a DH most of the time for the Angels and how he handles himself back in the field because at his prime, he was one of the best defensive first basemen in the game. But um should be a cool weekend in St. Louis after they just had a really cool weekend, uh, especially on Saturday with uh, the Blues and the Stanley Cup parade. Cubs and the White Sox are off today and tonight they play each other yeah crosstown series tuesday and wednesday night at wrigley so uh we'll see who the best baseball team in chicago is for two nights at least, at least for those yeah, two exactly nights, just in, those two in, nights. In, in the middle of june yes <laughs> you had the, your uh, news gazette all area softball team announced over the weekend right yeah i had that in sunday's paper bailey dowling st joseph ogden star alabama commit was our player of the year for the third straight year and then uh, tomorrow's paper we got our girls track and field all area team and then two more later this week Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, thank you guys. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Bob Ostmussen back next week or not? No, he's mm. still on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back uh, in July.
Wow, he's yeah. got July 1st, though. So there you go. All right. Thanks to Ed Bond for his help on the show. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. For Matt Daniels and Scott Ritchie, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.